We're unabashedly obsessed We've got to get it off our chest Please sit there and be quiet Greetings Just Wow Hey everyone <laughs> I was not expecting that <laughs> Even a little bit <laughs> Happy October! Happy October! <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Unabashedly Obsessed. Uh, I'm James. I'm Aaron. And this week... I'm um, back in the country! You're back in the country. <laughs> We're recording. We, we are making new content. Brand new content. Brand new content. And uh, About some super old content. About some super obscure old content. I didn't watch any of the special features. I didn't either. There's feature commentary! The... <laughs> <laughs> There's a fan club. Okay. What? <laughs> How can I join? Oh my god, are you serious? Oh my god. Alright, maybe instead of Ash vs. the Evil Dead, we're gonna look at special features on that DVD. I'm sure that we can we can do... We think, I, I'm sure we have time for both. <laughs> are you? Have I'm, you met us? I'm absolutely positive. Alright. Oh, I need to set our Ooh, timer. there's an original documentary. Oh god. Also, okay, so... Alright, all right, hold on. I gotta get Betty going. All right, Betty. Bed tea. Bet die. So, how was uh, how was England? England was good. Scotland was well. I was going to say England was good. Scotland was better. But my very favorite part of the trip actually we went back into England. Oh, we yeah. We left Scotland and went back into England. I've heard that the best part of Scotland is leaving Scotland. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> no, hey, Douglas. I hi Douglas. Actually, the. Douglas probably just took horrible offense to what I just said, considering that I spent an entire day with him in Scotland. The best part of the trip actually was like hanging out with Douglas and Albus and Andrew. Uh-huh. But the best part of like the, I guess like I, he took us around to like a bunch of places, but I didn't. It didn't feel super touristy. Right. The best part of like the sightseeing, touristy. Going out and, like, doing things where I, like, paid for a ticket to get on a bus and go places was going to uh, Annette Castle. Okay. In, which is technically in England. But okay. it was a tour of, like, the Scottish borders. Oh, okay. Which is, um, we drove past a bunch of Scottish farms and back into England to go visit a castle. Oh, nice. It was cool. gorgeous. Cool. But it was really nice to see Douglas again, though. Yeah, like, I got to see his flat, and I got to hang out with his puppy all day. Oh, in England they call them puppies. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Very the the English lingo. I know. In- well, it's Scottish. Oh right. Yeah. In England they call them dogs, like us. Right. But Albus is a no, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, because Albus is very much a puppy. Oh. Like he's a floppy puppy. What kind of dog is it? He's a cocker spaniel. Cool. He is. I'll see if Douglas will let me share. Um, did we say you said hi to Douglas? Mm-hmm. I don't think I did. I said hi hey to, to Douglas. You hi. did. You also said you said hi. Oh, did I? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, hi mm-hmm. again, Douglas. Hi, Albus. Hi, Andrew. Albus. Albus. Come here. Come here, boy. I'll see if Douglas will let me share a picture on the group, or if Douglas will share a picture on the group. Albus is super adorable. Is Douglas in the group? Yeah. Is he? I think he was like the. Oh, that's Fourth right. Fourth person that's to right. join. I think he joined after, right after Jamie did. He just never talks. He just, yeah. Well, it's the time zone thing. Leon talks. Well, that's true. But Leon talks, like, first thing in the morning. Like, when he, we're going to bed when Leon is waking up. Hi, Leon. Hi, Leon. Um, good day. Good day. Um, 
and then he's going to bed when we're waking up. Yeah. Douglas is like five hours ahead, so he's like eating lunch when we're waking up. Right. And then while we're on our lunch breaks, he's asleep. I don't... No. Because no, he, he goes to bed at 6 p.m. Uh-huh. Okay. I didn't actually set a timer. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's... Okay, so how... Can you please... I couldn't... Kristen was like, why are you watching this? And I was like, I don't remember. Because told me to. What was the... What was... We, we got there organically, and then I don't remember what the organic way was. I don't either. Okay. Was it on mic? Were we recording uh-huh. something? We were recording something. What was our last episode that we actually recorded here about? Well, we recorded Stephen King. Right, but that wasn't here. And then it was about... And outtakes. Then the one before, before that, that was... was fall? Was fall, yeah. We were talking about TV and yes. how there's a bunch of time travel TV coming on. Yes. And one of the things that I think you mentioned timeless. Yes. Which reminded me of this particular thing that we'll talk about in a minute because I have some other things I want to talk about first. Okay. Actually, I have one thing I want to talk about. When you listen to a podcast episode. Yes. Like a new podcast episode. Do you read the episode descriptions? No. Really? Yeah, no. I always read the episode descriptions. But I'm... I'm I'm absolutely positive I'm the outlier in that. Because really? I don't, I don't, um, this again, this is, I don't read the backs of books, which my wife didn't know. I don't read the backs of books. That doesn't I don't surprise read me at all. I figured movies. you would have like read at least the descriptions of podcast episodes, but now, no. now that I hear this, like the logic behind it, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Listeners, tell, join our Facebook group, Unabashedly Obsessed with Unabashedly Obsessed, and tell me if you read the episode descriptions, because if you don't, I'm going to stop, like, putting pertinent information in them. Such as what? I'm really sorry that the audio on those intros that we recorded was so weird. Oh, My yeah. audio. Okay. I don't know if that was weird for everybody. You said it didn't bother you when you listened to it, not over it was headphones. In, it was in... I listened to it on just complaining on my computer. Yeah. I could, I could, like, I could tell what you were talking about. I was like, oh, I sort of see what she's talking about. But it didn't bug me. But I also... In earbuds, yeah. my audio when I recorded with that headset... Hi, Torg. ...was awful. Mm. It was like tinny and staticky and just terrible. So for all of our listeners, I apologize. I I, I tend to be, I guess, more tolerant about that. I, I mean, I understand and... and... Whatever I used to, I used to get really upset because I would always be recording my other podcast while the dishwasher was going. Yeah, and I'd be like, "Ugh, you know, the dishwasher." And then, like, I listened back to the episode, and I'd be like, "Oh, you can't even he- hear anything at all." So, hey, no. Um, I, I, I don't have a real problem with it. I, I okay. Like, for me, and we talked about this on on the on the pod in the podcast Facebook group, the still yeah, yeah, one yeah. about like for me, it's like relatability of the people then content is like third and like quality of recording is real low for me in terms of what's important to me yeah I know a lot of people feel differently though and I would really hate for somebody to have had one of those two episodes be the first one that they listen to yeah and the first thing they hear is my crappy headset audio and they're like wow is this like I can't listen to this right for especially the outtakes episode where half of it was in a car well and so they'll audio was weird on it that shouldn't have been your first episode anyway well true also i was you should never start with an episode that says outtakes stuff we cut out of other episodes right (laughs) right um i was positive positive that that ryan adams discussion was in an episode 
And I was like, I've just listened to this. I just heard us talking about this. And I had just listened to the Hamilton and Hamilton um, No Context Corrections mm-hmm. episodes. So I, I like scrubbed through both of them. I was like, I guess not. Why am I so... And I, I, I chalked it up to just being so familiar with like the conversation was recent enough. What it do was we... recent enough, and also we've had that conversation variations on that conversation quite a few times. Okay, because I hated right. Ryan Adams' cover of 1999 right. so much. Right, I was just like, I, I know, like I was doing the same thing when I was editing that because I was like, did I like this is in the outtakes folder? Like I have an outtakes folder on my computer where I drop in the yeah. chunks of files. That's that a really will be smart outtakes. thing to do. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know why I would have put this in this folder if it wasn't actually an outtake. I, I like, I searched for it. I like had a text like ready to go to you. <laughs> I could have sworn. And I, but like, what episode did was that cut out of? Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's the point. That's the, that's the, the sort of the it was, reason it was It was a cut. fairly recent one. Okay. I think it was more recent than Hamilton. It could be that I just remembered having yeah. the conversation. But I had a train of thought. It has left the station, left the station. <laughs> and, like, crashed into a wall somewhere <laughs> far, far away. Well, um, then it stopped, so let's go find it. Well, it's on fire. Huh. It'll be easy to see It'll from the air? It'll be easy to air. see from, uh, yeah. Well, we when we fly over it in our podcast-themed helicopter. Oh, I remember my train of thought. We found it! <laughs> Yay! No, we had that whole long discussion about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out of our shells thing. Yes. That I swore was on air. It wasn't. We were talking about it while we were listening to it before we started recording, which is why there was like a minute and a half of it in the outtakes episode. We had a really good conversation in the car before we turned the microphone on. We should, and then we turned the microphone on and crashed and burned. We should never... Much like my train of like thought. Much like your train of thought. Much like our train of thought Cycling all the time. back around. Much like your train of thought. Uh-huh. We should, yeah, it's it's that thing where, like, you reach a point when you have this kind of podcast where you feel like you shouldn't ever not be recording. Yeah. Because then what if you miss something or whatever? Yeah. But, so. but and, I, and thinking back on it, we weren't recording because we were listening to the thing. Right. And it seemed not prudent to record while listening. Right. But we well, totally should. Now that we know that we do outtakes episodes. Right. We absolutely should do that in the future. Right. The next time I buy a 1980s <laughs> cassette from Pizza Hut of an obscure Ninja Turtles Broadway musical. The very next time. still I'm so Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles glad. coming out of their shelves too. Still coming yep. out of their shelves. Yep. I'm. Yeah. Shelves. Shells? Yeah. Did you say shelves? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coming off of the shelves. Yeah. Flying off of the shelves. Into your CD player. So should we tell what our topic for this week is? So, yes. So, we watched the 1980... Christopher Reeve, Jane Seymour movie... Somewhere in Time. The tagline is, He sacrificed life in the present to find love in the past. And boy, howdy, do I have issues with that statement. But we'll get to those later. <laughs> so... This, this movie, you guys. It, um... What a weird... What a weird movie. It's so weird, right? It's, at the same time, like, noon on, like, old TBS. Like, here, I guess we'll throw this on 
for no one to watch while they wait for the football game to come on. Uh-huh. But in another way, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. That's the thing. It is a terrible movie that, like, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, this is really bad. Why am I still watching this? And then it got to the end and it was over and I was like, I actually, I actually, like, in hindsight, really enjoyed that movie. In spite of or because of how bad it was. It sort of reminds me of of my feelings about Pitch Perfect. Like, I have so many issues with almost every single aspect of it, and yet, it's my favorite movie. Right. I I would, I don't think this is quite at um, Pitch Perfect level. Only in terms of like, (laughs) no, that doesn't work, no, that doesn't work, no, that doesn't work. Credits. Oh, okay, no, that worked. All of these things that didn't work somehow made a thing that worked? Yeah. 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 So it's how do you, how do you want to do this? Okay. Uh, um. I guess brief plot synopsis. Brief plot synopsis. So Christopher Reeve is a playwright. Yes. And he's at it. It opens with him on. It's like opening night of I guess like the first play that he's having produced in college or something. Right. And this old lady walks into the cast party. Well, she like she like I guess has watched. She's watched the play in. Probably the most creepy thing I've ever seen in a non-horror movie. Like, her bathed in shadow. Yeah. While she watched, I'm like, God, this is so creepy. Yeah. Okay, so she... And it, it appears to have been, like, a black box production. Yeah. It's not, like, a big to-do. It's right. It's, like, a black box production, but everybody's like, this play was really good, you're really gonna go somewhere. Right. She walks up to him at, like, the after party. Yeah. And presses something into his hand and says, come back to me. Yeah. And... Walks away. Can so, all right. Should we bust into our notes as we go? I think we should. Um, it gets one hundred percent silent. Yeah. Literally, everyone stops talking and moving and making any noise when she walks up to him. Right. <laughs> my very first note on my note entitled "Somewhere in Time" discussion points is: Why is this old lady dressed like it's still nineteen ten? Right. She's in, like, full, like, post-Victorian yeah. old lady garb. Well, I think she's in mourning. Probably. So I think she's, I think, I wouldn't but be surprised she, if she's been wearing that since 1912 because of, yeah. she's in mourning, because of what happens in the movie. It's just, like, update your look, lady. You can be in mourning and not... Wear literally the same dress for sixty years. But I think that's I think that's old yeah. school mourning. I think yeah. that and like English actress yeah. closed off from the world mourning is like nope same dress better wash it hope it doesn't fade and that's why tied with uh, color guard happened uh-huh. for mourning widows <laughs> tied for mourning widows. Oh God, she's not even a widow. Tied right for mourning non widows. Right, but. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Right. Um, my first note about this scene, um, he's like, he's like, oh, okay, come on, everyone, let's go have cake. And let me tell you about the ad-libbing that Christopher Reeve does about cutting the cake. That I didn't even notice. He's like, oh, uh, let's see, um, let's see, uh, here's what we'll do. I'll trade you this. I'm like, this is a, I, was Christopher Reeve, did he have stage, um, stage history, do you know? It was the most. I think so. He had to have, right? I feel I'm like he sure did. he did. It was the most peas and carrots thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Only he was miked, so you heard, you listen to like the most <laughs> stupid like 
like what on stage would have been just like, oh yes, I'm I'm busy not noticing this lady approaching me. Blah blah. blah. Let's yeah. see, I'll trade you this. I think if we cut this here, that sounded so ridiculous because he was miked. Yeah, it was amazing. So I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Um, also, I didn't notice... Especially on my second watch through of that scene where I didn't notice anything, including William H. Macy, who was the reason I was watching it again. I was trying to find him. I think William H. Macy had a bigger part in some other cut of the movie. Yeah. Because he was credited as critic. Yeah. Um, and he was credited as W.H. Macy. Yes, he was. And that's why I was like, maybe it wasn't William H. Macy, but how many other W.H. Macy's can there be... In this time in... period? Yeah. 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 But then I, I went back and, 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 and found him and sent you a, a picture of him. Yes, and which then, I still could not, like, didn't. I recall watching it and being like, that person looks familiar, and then completely going out of my head. I feel like William H. Macy is one of those people who, at 10 years old, probably looked very much the way he does now. I think you're right. Which is why I don't understand why I'm looking at the picture that you sent me, and I'm like, I don't, I can't tell if that's him or not. It's a weird picture of from a phone on an old TV. Yeah, like, it of, was, of an old movie. It's like movie, grainy yeah. and... Yeah. yeah. But we'll post it in the group. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so she says, so, come back to me. And presses something into his hand that we later find out is a pocket watch. Yes. I had thought it was a locket. Turns out it was a pocket watch. Okay, Like yes. when I was telling you about this before either of us had actually watched it, and, yeah. I thought it was a locket. And there's one more thing that you said in your plot synopsis that I kept waiting to happen... And, and it didn't, didn't happen. Yeah, I think because I've never, I had not actually seen this movie. Yeah. There was an element of say? hypnosis with the watch that I thought you that like you're like, and then he hypnotized himself. I think with the watch. you asked if he hypnotized himself because I was reading a plot synopsis after I looked this up and figured out what movie I was talking about. I looked it up and read you a brief plot synopsis, and you were like, "Does he hypnotize him?" And it said something about. Self-hypnosis. And you were like, does he hypnotize uh, himself with a locket? Uh, and I was like, I don't know. I haven't seen this movie that I'm telling you that we should watch. It makes more sense that I just assumed that. Yeah. We'll find well, in, in my a... notes that I had made several other assumptions that I kind <laughs> of would like to have seen. Your notes are much more comprehensive than mine. Cool. Because um, what I, I sent you, yeah. what, that was my notes. I could tell that it was the beginning and end. Yeah. Based on the capitalization at the end. <laughs> <laughs> so then in... The movie, we, we skip ahead 10 years. Eight years? Eight years. Eight eight years, years. Yep. Right, because 1980. And he is a successful playwright who still carries around this pocket watch and he's super confused. It's a nice pocket watch, to it be is, fair. It is, yeah. it is. And he is like, he's got writer's block and he can't figure out what he wants to do and so he hops in his car he's and he He's just drives. broken up with a girlfriend. He's just broken up with a girlfriend. Right. I forgot about that part. Yeah. Um, so he hops in his car and he just starts driving and he ends up at... The Grand the Hotel. Grand Hotel, which was not this, which is a, a hotel in the town where his college was. Right. So he's familiar with it. Right. But it is not specifically the hotel that he, because they performed at the college. Right. So to our knowledge, he may or may not have actually ever spent time in this right, hotel. Right, because um, and we see her, uh, she gives him the, the watch. Walks out, gets in a car, and gets driven back to the hotel. That's why it, the hotel factored in because earlier. Because they did the same Pan shot of, and yeah. then hold on the hotel twice. This movie, it felt like Directors 101. I don't know um, how many uh, episodes, or how many movies um, Janot Svark did, but this feels like he, 
she. Let's go with she. Jeanette. Uh, Jeanette. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I would... We'll say she just... Although... In the interest of not... 1980 makes me think he because female directors and the patriarchy and stuff, but... Damn the man. um, the vampire. Yeah, they they used a lot of... Like, really, like, okay, here's the same shot, remember? And maybe I'm living in a post-Back to the Future world where... We just right. we just take that. Yeah, yes, I get it. It's the same place. Okay, right. move on. Right. And so maybe that's the case. But I was like, up oh, here it comes. Like when he drove up to the hotel, I mm-hmm. was like, they're gonna pan over and stop in the same place, aren't they? And, and they there do. it is. Yep. So yeah, so he he ends up getting a room at the hotel, and he's talking to the bellhop guy, who's this old man, and he says something along some he he says something like, uh, you know. Attaboy, what was the guy's name? Arthur. Arthur. Attaboy, Artie. Or something like that. And the old man goes, I'm sorry, do we know each other? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I got very excited at that point. Yeah. Um, I Well, he's, I don't remember if it was, I think it was before that. It wasn't that. Attaboy, but it was something along those lines. He was like... Um, it's been weeks oh, since I've watched it, and, and you guys know how poor my memory is for things. And I watched it, I watched it last night. Yeah, so, um, and your memory's great for things. And I took notes. Yes, um, you did. They basically Arthur's like, yeah, oh yeah, I've been here for for a long time, ever since 1910. Blah, blah, blah. Since I was since I was such and such, my parents worked here. I have a note. Hold on. Okay, yeah. So he said, I've been here since 1910. My parents worked here. They brought me here when I was five. Right. Because I have a note later about how he would he was seven in 1912. Right. Um. So he's like, my parents were um, worked at the desk clerk, and I was always getting yelled at by my dad to, you know, play with, stop playing with my ball. And I was like, my note was, I was, I said, heavy-handed, look out for Arthur in the past. He'll be playing with a ball. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, so we'll we'll skip ahead a bit, and basically he ends up, he's got like insomnia or something. He goes down. There's like this little museum room. Yeah. Um, with like. I guess the history of like the, of the hotel of the hotel, yeah. And there's a painting or a, it's photograph. a photograph. There's yeah. a photograph of this lovely young woman, yeah, who looks a lot like Doctor Quinn, medicine woman. I know. Maybe they're related. They might be like a younger Doctor Quinn. Headcanon. They're related. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So there's a photograph of a very young Jane, like very young Jane Seymour. She was 29. Well, she looks like she was like 17. Yep. And I think. The character was the like nineteen. English youth. Uh, illusion. Also, I felt like this whole movie was. It was shot in nineteen eighty, which is why. But it felt like it was shot on whatever weird film they used to shoot soap operas mm. that just makes everything look super soft focused. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's yeah. I, it, I agree, and I'm sure it was just Panavision crap, or something crappy nineteen eighties film. Hey, Mark. Hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. Um. What what kind of what kind of film were we yeah. talking about here? Cause yeah, like, talk to us. It's about like that everything that like the Sting was in was on. I'm like sort of 70s to through the late 80s. Yeah, sort of like we have color. Yay! Here's color, but we haven't perfected it yet. So the colors are sort of weird. I yeah. want to say it's like Panavision or yeah. Technicolor or something. Yeah, it's probably on the box. Um, and so basically, he sees her and he's like, "Wow, that lady's really pretty." 
and gets completely obsessed with her to the point where he's not eating, he's not sleeping, he's not bathing. He's just standing in this room staring at this photograph. I think he... I think what I interpret it as is that he recognized her as that old woman. I think he was like... He was like... Hey, you know who he, this young lady looks like? He didn't at first. Didn't he go talk to Arthur and he was like, hey, who's that picture? Like, there's a there's a picture of a lady and Arthur's like, oh yeah, it was this actress. She performed here back in 1912. Yeah. And then, like, never performed again. And so he goes to the library and looks her up. But then, And that's when he gets super, super obsessed and he realizes that the old lady who gave him this pocket watch he's been carrying around yeah. is this actress... Why, did, why, why, why did she come find me? Why right. did she say, come back to me? I've never met this woman before. What is the mystery? And he finds... Maybe I should stop showering. <laughs> he, no, wait, I'm, I didn't pick up that he hadn't... Self-hypnosis by B.O. <laughs> I just, I don't think it's specifically mentioned that okay. he hadn't showered. I think he just basically was doing nothing but hardcore researching this woman. Right. And there wasn't really a whole lot to find because she was super famous for like six months and then stopped acting. <sighs> Well, there was a scene where he he asks a beleaguered librarian, "Hey, do you have any more in the back? Any more stuff in the back?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, we do, but um, it's sort of hard. I'm sort of busy right now." And he's like, "Great, I'm in. I'll be I'll be back here. Can you please bring it to me?" And she's like, "Okay." So she brings it to him, and he's like, "Great, thanks," and like sets it aside. Yeah. It's like, it's like that's how to get librarians to hate that, you. That particular scene, though, there was a lot of. She's like, "Well, I." She's completely exasperated yeah. from the... He walks up and she's like, oh, what do you want? <laughs> and he's like, I, I need more information about this woman. Is there stuff in the back? And she's like, yeah, but I'm not going to get it for you right now. <laughs> and he's and he like smiles that charming Christopher Reeve smile and goes, okay, basically like, okay, I'll just wait. Yeah. Like, I'll just sit here and smile at you. And she's like, well, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, and I think that's establishing that he's charming and can uh-huh. get, you know, open doors and whatever. And I, they didn't need to establish that. Right. I mean, look at the man. Right. So then he finds this picture that is literally, it has to be a headshot of the actress the the day that she got dressed up in the yes. costume. Like, they, they had been like, oh, hey, Gladys, we need to take a picture of you. <laughs> okay. Okay, now go do your scene where you tell him to come back <laughs> right. to you. And then it says, um, the last The last picture taken, taken of her. Of, I was yeah. like, that's not how captions work. Like, no, it's not. It's not at all. But whatever. So he figures out it's the same woman, becomes completely, like, even more obsessed with, like, how did, like, why did she give me this watch? What did that statement mean? Right. WTF. He goes and talks to her, like, helper. He read this, he reads this book by this lady who we've seen. No, no, no. He, basically, the lady wrote the book on. Actors and actresses from back in the day. Right. And she had an extensive part about this this woman, whose name, the, by the way, is... Yeah, what is Jane Seymour's character's name? I don't oh know. Oh my god. McKean? Esther... Est- Elise? Elise McKean or something like that? Elise McKinnon? McKenna? Oh, McKenna? Yeah, Elise McKenna. McKenna. Yeah. I think the woman who wrote the book was the woman who was with her, like when... When Elise, right. When old lady Elise went back to the hotel, right. that lady was waiting in her room. So they had, like, gotten to be friends or something. Right. Right. She was the lady that, that um, was like, hey, what's going on? And, the, and Elise said absolutely nothing just to like, her. And just like closed, her, closed yeah. the door and presumably died. died. Yeah. Yeah. Like she died that night. Right. 
Yeah, so he goes and talks to her and doesn't really get much more information, but he manages to weasel his way into this woman's house by showing her the pocket watch. And the woman's like, where did you get that? She yeah. never let go of that thing yeah. and lost it the night she died. Right. When she went to see this play. This play written by some guy. Wait a minute. Are you that guy? No, no, no. <laughs> no didn't. That didn't happen. So then he's basically like, I mean, it's, it's consensual. She's not, he's not, she, she's not like, hey, stop, what are you doing? Yeah. He's like, may I rifle through your stuff? And she's like, I guess. Yeah. So what he, so he finds a book. He's like, hey, remember in the 80s how um, books had just like the back cover was like a big, huge picture of the author? You yes. mean like this? <laughs> like that, like that copy of The Stand that you have from 1975. <laughs> that is just a yeah. big picture of Stephen King's unibrow. Yeah, exactly. So he, they, the book is laying back up and he's right. like hey this guy was my favorite professor in college in my I, I took philosophy with this guy and he turns it over and the book is called travels in time yeah so he goes to visit the professor right and he's like hey is time travel possible and the guy's like i don't know maybe it kind of was this one time that i tried it yeah for like four seconds so the guy yeah the guy's <laughs> like i basically kept telling myself this is where it gets cr- guys if yeah. you if you have if you have zoned out that's fine because that, that it, then it feels like you're watching the movie. This is where the movie gets absolutely insane in terms of the time travel stuff that they're going to do. Yeah. So I want to talk to Jamie. Hi, Jamie. I want to talk yes. to Jamie about this because the time travel stuff in this movie is bananas. So it, what it reminded me of did have I talked to on did I talk to you in off the podcast or on the podcast about this book I found of my uncle's that was like uh, lucid dreaming. And like, it, it must like, have been off the podcast. It was like, you can um, travel through time and travel wherever you want just by repeating over and over again, I want to go to such and such place and such and such time. I feel like we must have discussed this, like, there was a time in college when I was trying to, like, get myself to be able to lucid dream. Yeah. Maybe we had this conversation back then. It was something you found recently. It wasn't something I found recently, though I haven't... I feel like I've talked about it recently. It's entirely possible that I talked to Jamie about it or, yeah. or whatever. Um, it was this book that was... And it was like, you know, it was like a 1970s you know, yeah. book. So it was also like, and you can have sex stuff. And I was like, <laughs> I was like seven. So like, I, yeah. I was like, well, this is not for me. Let me yeah. just... And there are no pictures, so... <laughs> <laughs> right, so not for you. <laughs> right. Um... It reminded me of that. So basically, the professor guy is like, um, I, I went to this old hotel, and I wanted, I got it into my head that I wanted to go back to fifteen, the fifteen hundreds. Right. So I kept being, I kept saying to myself, "You're in the fifteen hundreds. You're in the fifteen hundreds. You're in the fifteen hundreds." And then for just a second, I looked around, and there was stuff there from the fifteen hundreds. But then I saw all my all my stuff from the 1960s or whatever, and was immediately brought back. So, right. you and have didn't to... he say he was like super exhausted afterwards? Yeah. Like it like was extremely taxing for him to convince himself right. that he was in the 1500s enough to actually travel back then? Big question mark. Right. For half a second. Right. He he said basically it was just an instantaneous thing. It was really funny how it was presented, though, because the guy, because Christopher Reeves is like, is like, did it work? And the guy's like, no, not at all. And Christopher Reeves is like, well, then what are we talking about <laughs> <Yeah>. here? <laughs> but instead of being like, well, what are we talking about here? He's like, I'm going to try it. Right. And <laughs> so he does. 
He gets, he goes back to his hotel. He strips the room of everything modern, gets himself an outfit that is period-ish. Yeah. Gets himself a haircut. Yes. Gives himself a haircut. That's right. Gives himself a haircut and does a smashing job of it. Well, he also doesn't appear, like, despite the fact that he's clearly lost sleep and, and, mm-hmm. and not charred, he never grows facial hair. Yeah. Which makes, which brings into question why he shaves later, but... Right. Um, but there, that, is, that is the smallest of the weird issues that I have with this movie. Oh, I can get smaller. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you can. So, he... There is this extremely, like, unnecessarily long montage of him... He had recorded it's a, into it's a, a tape player yeah. him saying, you're in, or it, it is this date in 1912, it's... June 28th, 1912. June 28th, 1912, this, you know, 6, 13 in the afternoon, yeah. and you were in this room on this day, and this, is, this stuff is happening, and just records it basically over and over and over again, puts the tape deck under the bed so he can listen to, well, not initially, initially he, he leaves right. it next to him, realizes that... It must not be working because the tape player is where I can see it. Right. <laughs> Puts it under the bed. But then doesn't listen to it. But then he, doesn't listen to it. Because he's like, all right, I got I to gotta just do this au naturel. But the other thing that he does to help him along is he goes and finds Arthur. Which, by the way, um, if you remember our time travel episode, um, one of my, another one of my notes is how there's always a young man and an old man uh-huh. guide. Yeah. Um, the old man guide in this case is split into Arthur and the professor. So yeah. the professor... Gives the time travel mechanics. Arthur the gives mechanics. Right, imagine and repeat over and over, and then it'll right. come true. It's like the secret, but time travel. So basically, he goes to Arthur and says, "Hey, where um, you have this like guest registry in the museum? Let me see the other ones of those." And right. Arthur's like, "Oh, they're up in the attic. Let's get. Let's go up to the this attic." This is at like three in the morning, right. by the way. He right. has woken this poor old man up. The theme of somewhere in time is just knock on some doors. Everyone knocks on every door throughout the whole movie. There's and also, so much door knocking. Yes, and smile pretty like Christopher Reeve and you get what you want. It's true. Um, Which is kind of true outside of the movie as well. That's, that's very true. Very long story short. So he, like, so let's, he, he, finds him, he finds his own name in a log yes. from 1912. And he's like, all right, yes, it worked. So it's like, that self, it's like a reverse self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. He knows that he's written it there. So he, so he it, knows that at him... some point it will work. Right. And, and that he... seems to be the push that he needs to make it actually work. Right. And so he wakes up, basically he wakes up in 1912. In some dude's room. In Yeah, in the room that he was in, in 1980. But in 1912, somebody else is staying in that room. So there's this woman walking around in her underwear. Who I thought was Jane Seymour. Yes. I was like, was definitely this not. is... Taking a different turn, like it's gonna start off peeping Tom. Okay, I guess that's how Back to the Future did it, but yeah. But so it was some other lady. Yeah, it was some other lady, and he manages, and like her husband comes back in, and he's like, "Hi, Christopher Reeve's like, what is his character's name? Uh, Philip R- Richard Collier. Richard, Richard Collier, not Philip. No, Philip yeah. is him in Noises Off. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Richard is like hiding behind a chair. He manages to get out of the room. Well, one of the scenes of co- of comedy is when is there the these the the couple's our role is to be bickering married couple, right? And he's very very room room levels of volume commenting on their fight. They're yes. like, maybe I should just leave, and he's like, yeah, definitely you should, which is yeah. funny, but also 
Shut up. Yeah. If you're supposed to be hiding, <laughs> they're going to notice the chair is talking, dude. Yeah, so he manages to get out. He find, he like wanders the grounds and finds Elise McKenna walking like along the reverse at the lake at the lake yeah and she sees him and she walks up to him and she goes is it you right and he's like yes yes because when like like if someone asks you if you're a god you say yes and ghostbusters Mm -hmm. if some if if the girl you've been obsessed with walks up to and says is it you you say yes yeah (laughs) <laughs> and so, like, they they have, like, a moment, and then her manager... Yeah, like, her... Kind of like her, her... He's, like, her handler, her hand, It's really her handler, yeah. I, I think he's her manager, but he's basically put himself into a, like, surrogate father chaperone right. role right. as well. And it's it's Christopher Plummer, by the way. He's... Yes. Um, yeah. And he, he comes out and, like, you know, pulls her away. Right. We, that's by the way. That's his role for the whole movie. Uh huh. Yeah. Is is <laughs> cockblocker. Co- yeah, cockblocker. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just gonna come on say. It. Yeah, we're gonna earn that explicit rating tonight. Um. So there and there's there's a whole lot more of. I feel like a good chunk of the movie was him trying to figure out how to tra- time travel. Another good chunk of the movie was him trying to actually have a conversation with this woman where. Somebody wasn't cock-blocking him, and she wasn't trying to close the door on him. Right. Well, Because the next morning, he sh- wakes up and shaves with, like, a straight razor and cuts his face all to pieces. He, he wakes up at four in the morning, mm-hmm. goes and wakes her up, and secures a walk with her at that afternoon. That's right. Then he goes and shaves the crap out of his face, which didn't, A, need it. Right. Because and, he doesn't grow facial hair. <laughs> right. And, and B, has seen, like... Has he never... Sh- I mean, like, I've never used a straight razor, so I'm sure I would cut my face to crap, too. Right. That was a... I mean, I know it was for a comedic effect or whatever, yeah. but, like, that was a lot of paper that he just left on there. There was a lot of, like, the the talking behind the chair, the level of cutting his face up, like, all of that kind of stuff. It was like this was a director moving from stage to screen for the first time, and so they didn't get that you have to be a lot more subtle on film than you do in a theater. It definitely had the feel of a play. Yeah. That's very interesting. And it was a book. It was a it book was. called Big Time a... Return. Yes. Which is one of the worst titles I've ever heard in my whole life. Yes. I mean, I get it, but like... Yeah. Like, who who greenlit that title? Yeah. Okay. I want to I speed the process yes, along. Yes, Basically, yes. they end up falling in love. In a day. In a day. Like, actually, like, they're saying I love you to each other within a day. I haven't... Hold on. One she... of my notes about that... Oh, um, she yeah. says I love she you says to him. She says I love him to her manager. Right, right, right. And I'm like, you met him less than 24 hours ago. I want to back up for a minute. So Arthur would have been seven in 1912, but that little boy was like four years old. Right. Because he said in 1910, I was five and we moved in to the right. hotel. Right. This is 1912. Apparently, Arthur ages backwards. Right. He's, Arthur is Benjamin it's Button. It's Benjamin Button thing. Right. Okay. Just making sure that we were on the same page yeah, with absolutely. that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, so they were meeting at one o'clock and they did all that stuff, but then when they headed back, he was like, okay, well, it's one thirty. we should probably head back. The, the montage was practically half an hour, like... But their actual date was they, yeah, like they... And she was late. Yeah, she was late for their date. They, like, took a carriage down to the lake and walked around and, like... He yammered her ear off. They, they sat here and took a picture for the cover of the DVD. And then didn't have that scene in the movie. They absolutely didn't have that scene in the movie. Oh no, they did. No, they they 
They they they were never looking out at the at the ocean like that. Or they reversed. Maybe they were reversed. They reversed the thing. Yeah, there was definitely a moment that was. I was like, okay, well, that's the cover of the DVD. Yeah. They go for a a, bo- a a rowboat thing. Yeah. So there's this there's this um, repeated theme of this um, what turns out to be a Rachmaninoff piece mm-hmm. that like he listens to, she listens to, she makes into a music box, right. and so. Back in 1912, he's li- he's whistling it, and she's like, "Oh, that's 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 awesome! What is it?" And he's like, "Oh, it's Rachmaninoff. I love it." And she's like, "Oh, I saw Rachmaninoff play in concert last year. I've never heard that before." And he's like, "Oh, it's from the Rhapsody." So I looked it up on Wikipedia. The Rhapsody that that, that Rachmaninoff wrote uh, came out in 1934. Yeah. So 22 years before, when, after he was singing to it, and my note says he doesn't give a single fuck about paradoxes. No, he doesn't at all. <laughs> well, I mean, he time traveled by telling himself that he was going to time travel. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that any time travel, like, we could do... He, uh, pre- preview, so, fan theory is coming up. Yeah. Also, she says, uh, she has, her excuse for not going for their walk at first was, I have rehearsal all day. Uh-huh. And then he's like, can I take you for a walk? And she's like, sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but then uh, watching the play, the parts of the play they showed... No one really gave a crap about that play. Yeah. <laughs> she she did, I have, um, impromptu monologue goes over well for everyone. Because yeah. she basically confesses her love to him as a monologue that her character suddenly decides to give. Yeah. That is great. I mean, like, it everyone... A, yeah, it was a it great was... monologue. Everyone was super impressed. But she comes off stage and everybody's like, uh, that wasn't in the play. Yeah. Good thing you brought it around to something that made sense for the other actors to react to. Right. So that was she's the... like looking directly into his eyes from the stage, right? All but saying Richard. Yeah. So let's they... get to the part where they screw. Yeah, they have sex on the floor of the hotel. Or, well, I would assume that he would be a gentleman enough to like take her to bed. But right. then they have a picnic of like they 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 did they did chicken wings on the floor of the <laughs> hotel room because they they and did... she's like going to town on those chicken she... wings. <laughs> Okay. She was real hungry after that. They did that, the, uh, like, I thought they were going to do, like, in um in Witness, which is Harrison Ford Amish movie, um, there's an Amish lady who, like, disrobes and is like, oh, okay. boobs. So I thought they were going to do, like, Jane Seymour disrobes and it was, like, boobs. Mm-hmm. But then they, like, close the door, like, oh, what happens behind closed doors? Right. But then they cut to a scene of him laying her down and they're both naked now. Yeah. Except for you just see Christopher Reeve's chest. You see his chest and, like, her shoulder. Right. And so he lays her down on the bed. So it's yeah. definitely on the bed. But then they're definitely having what I can only imagine was an improvised postcoital scene, and I, I my note about that says like did they just improvise the scene because he makes a joke, and then she's she doesn't get it, but then she's like oh I see because blah blah blah. And I was like no one wrote that line, no one wrote that line. It was like well oh because oh, she's like the first thing we need to do, and he's like we already did, and she's like okay well the second thing I was like gross. <laughs> I didn't catch that at all. I think by that point in the movie, my brain had kind of checked out and it had not checked back in yet. They're they're postcoital. They're talking about yeah. let's get married, and they're, they're like, oh, sure, down on chicken wings, right? Like you do, yeah. And all of a sudden, why did he pull the money out of his pocket? I don't know. So he goes to he goes he's like wearing his pants and no shirt, right? And she's wearing like a bathrobe, right? Or something, right. sitting, and they're sitting on the floor. He gets up and like gets a bunch of change out of his pocket. Was he paying someone? He was getting. I don't remember why he was getting change. He was getting change out of like the pocket of his vest. 
in the climax of this freaking movie. He, there's a penny that says 1979. And he is whisked back to 1979. Yes, and my note about that is, so he just dot 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 disappeared from directly in front of her? Just dematerialized? Yeah. And you see her, like, the, the like, Presumably you're seeing like his vision is starting to go dark yeah. and she's just standing in the room reaching towards him yelling Richard, Richard, Richard. Right. As he's dematerializing. Yeah. I, I said, oh no, he saw a 1979 penny. LOL, LOL, And then I said, where did his body go in 1912? Did he just disappear? Yeah, I think that's what happened. <laughs> Which kind of explains why this actress never worked again because she went fucking insane because her boyfriend just disappeared. Well, she, and that's, well, that's, that, that's another heavy-handed thing they did, which she was like, um, you know, blah, 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 uh, maybe I can act in one of your plays if I ever act again. And I was like, okay, yeah. we get it. But like, you know in the time, tra- in time travel movies, there's always the scene where you have to explain, okay, I'm a time traveler, no, 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 wait, don't run away, I'm really right. a time traveler, you're not crazy, I'm not crazy, whatever. Yeah. None of that they was necessary. They didn't do that. They didn't do that because she saw him fucking disappear in front of her eyes. Right. But it's still, given how heavy-handed everything else in this movie was, I was real surprised that he didn't open with, you know, is it you? Yes. And I'm from the future. And that's what he was rehearsing. Yeah. He was like, I came back 68 years to see you. And he never said that to her. And that's good, because that's crazy. Right. I thought, I didn't realize that the movie was going to be ending. I thought he was going to, because I was still under the impression that there was hypnosis with the watch. Yeah. I thought he was like, all right, I got to get back. Let me hypnotize back to go back yeah. to, in time he and do tries. it again. Right. The whole rest of the movie is him trying to get back. And then... And it not working. Fucking dying. Yeah. Okay, so my last <laughs> note here. So he basically tries to hypnotize himself. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. He gets super depressed, stops eating. And I have a note that says he's looking out the window at the water and gets this look on his face... Is he going to kill himself to be with her in the afterlife? And my next note is, yup, he sure is. Because you can see him make the decision to, well, she's dead. If I die, I mean, that's basically time travel, right? Right. (laughs) And so he just basically starves himself to death. Yeah. And Arthur finds him catatonic, barely, like, I feel like he's still just barely hanging on in that last scene. Yeah gets a doctor to come in and then the next thing we see is Christopher Reeve walking through a cloud or something in the afterlife in the afterlife to Jane to a young Jane Seymour you know reaching out for him and so my my notes are um are we sure he didn't go he went back in time and didn't just get addicted to heroin right (laughs) and then I said did he fucking die is this the end of the goddamn movie what the actual fuck? Uh, what? What? <laughs> well, William H. Macy was in it at the beginning. But also, what? You can see why I was texting you when I, was, when I finished watching this, and I was like, I am bringing you this DVD. You have got to watch this movie. You guys, if... You guys have to go. We got this from the library. Go to your library and find this movie. It's... It's, it's so good, terrible. I can't, like, there's... I can't pick out... It was so poorly made, but so well executed. 
No, that's not it either. I can't figure out why I can't stop thinking about this movie. I know. Because, right? well, first of all... Because it was so bad. The time travel mechanics make no sense at all. No. No sense at all. The like, fan, the fan theory real... that it was just a dream, and that he was just basing it on, on his own obsessive research, is basically the, the only thing that makes any sense at all. Right. Like, to think that he time traveled doesn't make any sense at all. No, it really doesn't. <laughs> like, it, it makes no sense. Yeah. Remind me, there's the, t- the, the moment where he's like running around looking for her and he can't... Oh, oh, because they, dr- they beat him up and knocked him unconscious and tied him up at the barn and then the acting troupe left. Right. And so he wakes up and he's running around. I was, I was thinking he had come back to the future and then managed to get back, but no, no. he was just tied up at a barn. Right. Okay. In the, in, in the best labeled stable I've ever seen in my entire yeah. life. Yes. It's just giant sign to stable. Stable. This this movie was so bad. But they but, but it was so delightfully horrible. You know how we talked about um when we thought that Allegiant was the last divergent yes. movie, how the 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 director or whoever chickened out. Uh-huh. This movie is the opposite of chickening yeah. out. This movie is no, he died. He got he got to go back one time and then he died. He died real hard. Like, he really super died. And then the movie is over. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Okay. It's so great. Here, I, my, my very final note is, he sacrificed life to, in, in the present to find love in the past. And then I wrote, no, he sacrificed life. Full stop. Right. Yeah. There, there's no to find love in the past. He went back in time, and then he killed himself. Right. I, yeah. <laughs> this movie is so bad. <laughs> But it's so good. But it's so good. I want to watch the whole thing again. I oh. might renew this from the library just so I can watch the whole thing again. Uh, my my one thing I thought that was happening was that Christopher Plummer was also a time traveler. Oh no, I would I want to see that movie. Right? Yeah. Because like she's like they're at the lighthouse on their like fifteen minute date. Uh huh. <laughs> right. And she's like, this dude has told me ever since he met me that some guy is going to come along and ruin my life. And, like, that's what I was saying is it you for. And what, what, what this guy was saying is someone's going to come along and ruin right. your life. And it's probably going to be a dude because you're real pretty. And yeah. you're young and you're naive. And I'm going right. to need to protect you from right. everyone. But for a moment, I was like, is, is this guy, Christopher Plummer, also back in time? That movie would have been so much better right? than this movie. Because there, there is serious potential there. Christopher yeah. Reeve... Comes back to the future and then goes back in time again to find Christopher Plummer to find out how to find Elise McKenna again. Right. Like, right. Although, did you notice the credits for this were super crazy? It was like, Christopher Reeve in blah, 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 with blah, 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 and starring Jane Seymour with, it was like, it was the most, like, union credits of all time. I was like, the contract negotiations for... For doing the credits, had to have taken up most of the time they could have yeah. used making a plot that makes sense. <laughs> right. Okay, so we have two writers. <laughs> we can either put one of them on script and one of them on credits, or we can. We should probably just put both of them on credits. It'll, we'll just have them improv the whole movie. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how it worked out. Absolutely. Yeah. So. So. Social media. If you still want to follow us after this. <laughs> oh God. We are on Twitter uh, at 
on a, at UFO Podcast, yep. where the F stands for Fantine Pro-V. But we're going to cut all of that stuff out. Okay. I don't even care. Okay. <laughs> and you can decide why it does stand for that, if we've cut it out. Yep. Um, I am on Twitter uh, at Unabashed James. I'm at Unabashedly Aaron. Um, we have an Instagram. Uh, Unabashedly Obsessed. We have a Vine at UFO Podcast. Yep. Um, you can find us on Facebook. We've already mentioned the Facebook group. If you're you listening sh- to it at all, at this at all, join the Facebook group. We have some great stuff going on. There. We really do. In, it's way I, better than this episode. And it's basically going to turn into your... a midpoint fan club before I the mean, end of the week. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Which is not wrong. <laughs> if, if you have made it through this episode, first of all, I'm sorry. Second of all, thank you. Listen, I'm not. This was a great this was a great episode. Go back and listen to episode 3 <laughs> where we also discussed time travel and horses. I think so Mark my friend Mark wanted to know uh, are we going to start doing individual time travel movie episodes? And he said it with like an exclamation point like is like, this a thing like, now? Like please do this now. Right. So uh, I said I don't know. We do what we want. I mean, yeah. So if we find one that Tickles our fancy the way this, for some reason, did. Yes, this random-ass choice that we've <laughs> decided to make part of our lives forever and ever and join the Somewhere in Time fan club. God, I want to find out what that's about. Um, we will post our fan club cards. Yep. Uh, whether or not they make them. <laughs> we, it would not be the first or the last time we have crafted on this show. That's true. Thank you to Jamie Shaheen for our theme song. Did you guys know there was a ladder down here? I still haven't heard back from him yet on if we can change the name of that. He's the, he's at the beach and stuff. Yeah, I know. We're also going to pick his brain about hypnotizing yourself for time travel. I like. I really think that it makes the most sense that he didn't time travel at all. I mean, how did he get the watch? Whatever, but like, there was no watch. There that's, you go. That's how he got the watch. Done. There was no watch. Show me the watch. Because he, he didn't. Because he left it in in 1912. Yeah, right? that's why she had it. Right. Which brings back, this is the root of what I wanted to talk to you about, like, four hours after we started recording. He leaves a watch in 1912 for her to give to him in 1980, for him to leave in 1912, for her to give... Which came... Is the watch the chicken or is the watch the egg? Where did the watch come from? Christopher Plummer made the watch in 1996, before he traveled back in time. To 1906 to find a 16-year-old Elise McKenna and started mentoring her. He gave her a watch and then she but gave... But then how did Christopher Reeve get the watch? Because when Christopher Reeve showed up in 1912, he had the watch. The watch wasn't in her possession until he disappeared. Elise McKenna died 15 years before he got the watch. Christopher Plummer dressed up in drag and gave him the watch. So Christopher Plummer makes the watch in 1996. Yes. Travels back to 1912. Yes. Where Christopher Reeve already has a watch. Right, no, right. But then, he no, he travels back to 1980, dresses up in a morning... 1972. Wid- 1972. Dresses up in a widow's clothes and says, Come back to me! <laughs> and he and Christopher Reeve says, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> 
I can't even follow this train of thought anymore, so let's wrap this up and watch Ash vs. the Evil Dead. <laughs> All right. So this has been Unabashedly Obsessed. I've been James. I'm real sorry. And uh, we talk a lot. Smoking kills. So do pennies. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.